This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Three, two, one, and welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Hi, Kiki. Hi, John Hi. Allen. Everybody, I'm speaking with uh, the fantastic Miss Kiki Barley Jonsson, who is currently, and for the sixth time, the strongest woman in Norway. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, what is it? I just want to go right away, just get into this, this get into your mindset. Uh, what is it that attracted you to strongman competition or strongwoman competition? There's not a lot. There's not a lot of women doing that in Norway. Of course, there's enough for there to be competitions and whatnot, but it doesn't seem to get the recognition of the mainstream strength sports uh, uh, environment here. So, what, so what what made you interested in this? Um, I started to train uh, strength training, or I started to train. Period. Uh, when I met Egil in 2003, I think. Yeah. Um, but then I had a uh, major back injury, um, and I was I was told that I would end up in a wheelchair oh. uh, back home in in Kristiansand, where I come from, in the south of Norway. Uh, and then I moved together with Egil up in uh, in uh, the mid parts of Norway. And he trained, and I started to train because of him. Typical. <laughs> Bad influence. Boy, boy, girl, <laughs> boys, hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my back injury was, as I said, it was really, really bad. Uh, so I talked with a hospital in Kristiansen, and they wanted to to do a back surgery on me. Uh-huh. Um, and... In front of that surgery, I started to do some strength training because I read that a strong core would help me. Yes. Now, uh, were you thinking that this strength training that you started to do before the operation, do you think that it would allow you to do away with the thought of getting operated on? Or was this just in preparation to be as strong as possible before the uh, operation? I know they told me before my last soldier, uh, sh- uh, sh- uh, blah, shoulder surgery, before that, they told me to get in as good a shape as possible before the surgery. Is that the line of thinking you had? or? Yeah, that was my line of thinking. My, my okay. doctor didn't say anything. Ah. Uh, but, but I was, <laughs> of course, I was called by him, uh, by, by Egil, uh, who talked very warm about strength training. Yeah. And... I remember the last thing the surgeon said to me before before the uh, the operation was uh, before the surgery was uh, you will never be able to train again. And if you say something like that to me, I'm a bit like, okay, I'll show you. Um, but I didn't know how the the surgery would go. No, I might end up in might have ended up in a wheelchair. Yeah. And it could be successful. And I was so lucky it was successful. It was very successful. So I continued my strength training. Uh, I went over to, from just training in the basement, I discovered powerlifting. Ah. So that was actually my first 
real thing to do. It was powerlifting. Let me ask you then about powerlifting because I I want to say I heard it on the grapevine, but you know Nor- Norway is such a small country, and then the strength uh, sports environment is so small that when rumors go around, everybody hears it. Now I heard a rumor that you wanted to make a comeback, if you will, uh, in powerlifting, maybe about a year ago. Is that true? <laughs> that, that is quite fun, actually, because I now that we ha- you have the raw lifting, you don't have to yes. use the equipment, yeah. because I honestly hate lifting in suits, um, knee wraps and stuff. I lift raw. I compete raw, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, was, I can't remember who I told... I was talking about this thread, but I mentioned kind in. <laughs> I mentioned that it would maybe have been cool if I could do it raw. Yeah. But then again, I continued with, but powerlifting is kind of boring because it's just the three lifts. You like the dynamic and the and the the unpredictability of strongman competition, strong woman yeah. competition. So I powerlifting do. was too structured yeah. for you. Uh, I love powerlifting. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, it's I love to sit in the audience and watch the powerlifter do their things, uh, especially the women. Yeah. Uh, because you have in Norway, you have women like Marta Elverum, who has the sickest face before she go into a lift. <laughs> she looks quite focused and quite serious, yeah. <laughs> she, she looks like she's able to kill everyone yes. going on her way. <laughs> so, but I, I don't think, I, I don't think I would go back to powerlifting, even no. though I, powerlifting is still in my head when I train, because I can't, I can't hitch a deadlift for instance. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. And, and for those, for those who are listening in, in strong man and strong woman competition, you can, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be one smooth movement when you deadlift, you can hitch it as we call it. But whereas in powerlifting, that's not allowed. It has to be one movement, smooth, no resting, no jerking in any way. Big difference between powerlifting and strong woman in that sense. Yeah, it is. But you have powerlifting in your head. So when you deadlift, in a strong woman competition, you are deadlifting as clean as possible, as clean as as powerlifting like as possible. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and I never use straps or anything like that. That's no. also allowed in powerlifting. Not in uh, in strongman. Yeah. Another big um, difference. So, I think I think my what used to be my inner bodybuilder now has turned into my inner powerlifter. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. So, so uh, it was. So it was just rumor then that you were going to make an attempt to come back to powerlifting. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> you think so? <laughs> that is such a Norwegian answer. I think so. I'm asking the person that the rumor has to do with, and your answer is, I think so. <laughs> yeah, uh, who knows? Uh, I was never supposed to compete in strongman either. Yeah, if you if you go by what the doctor was saying, yeah, that you may not be able yeah. to walk ever again, you'll never be able to train. I wonder, yeah. I am very fortunate. Uh, I've had a long series, several shoulder operations, quite serious uh, operations. And 
I have a doctor at uh, uh, Lovisenberg Hospital, the surgeon mm-hmm. who has done the last uh, two surgeries, and she is of a mindset that matches with my athletic background. In other words, she is fully aware that certain surgical procedures, there have to be modifications. You have to have a different way of thinking about the rehab when you're doing those procedures on an athlete, as opposed to a 70 year old inactive man, big difference. Yeah. Do you feel then when you were speaking with your doctors about this operation, that they had no clue about how to um, adjust things or to take into consideration your athletic background? Absolutely. No clue at all. Yeah. Um, it forces us in a, it forces us in a situation where we kind of have to start thinking about our rehab treatment ourselves yeah, yeah. Uh, I had trained strength about let's say six seven months maybe maybe no more uh, close to a year in fact uh, because I had the surgery in 2004 uh, and I really enjoyed it and when he said that you can't do strength training again, I was like, but why? The, the, best, the best thing would be to, to be able to strengthen up my body. To, yeah. Because if I was just going to do as, unfortunately, many people do, sit on my yeah. ass, yeah. I wouldn't do anything good for the, for my back, for my body. Well, that's the, the mistake that a lot of people, most people take. And I think a lot of medical people, doctors, surgeons, they make this mistake as well. They do the operation, whether it's your back, your knee, you know, shoulder, whatever. And then they, they consider part of your treatment this long period, six, eight weeks of just mm-hmm. sitting and doing nothing. And I think that is the worst thing you can do in just about any situation, in just about any type of surgery. The worst thing to do is just sit and do nothing. Yeah. I was told to sit and do nothing and walk with crutches. Uh, I don't even think I brought the crutches back home from hospital. Ah. Uh, because the day after the surgery, I could walk normal again. Uh, and I left home. I, I had a surgery on Tuesday, and I left home on Thursday. And they were like, are you ready to go home? And I was yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, and I got a, I got an appointment with a, a physio. And I got some exercises to do. I think that was after three or four weeks. Okay. Uh, what I didn't know back then was that I already started to train a bit. Ah, Just I love like it. Very, very careful core movements and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and I tried to follow that program I got from the physio. Uh, I think I followed it for a week. It's probably too followed. easy. It's probably too easy. Yeah, it, it was like followed-ish. Um, well, you have an athletic, you have the mind of an athlete. You have the mind of one who is consistently trying to make 
make yourself stronger, make yourself uh, uh, better at what you do. And it goes against that way of thinking to just sit and do nothing. Yes, you're injured. So you have to have a period of adjustment, but yeah. to, 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 to expect an athlete to just sit and do nothing. I think that's the worst thing a doctor can prescribe. I might have had it back then as well, uh, because when I started to lift, um, I wasn't able to squat. Yes, I was able to squat the the bar, the mm. twenty kilo bar. Yeah, uh, I, w- I wasn't able to bench press it. And I remember forty kilo deadlift being insanely heavy. Ah, yeah. Well, but you know, so, we, we we make adjustments and we 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 do what we're able to do. Um, <clears throat> with my shoulder injury, you know, just because my shoulder is messed up, does that does not mean I'm finished with powerlifting. I'm still going to keep setting squat records. I may only bench 25 kilos, mm-hmm. uh, but but that doesn't get in the way of my squat or my deadlift. And yeah, it, so, it sounds it sounds like you had the same way of thinking during that uh, yeah. that injury and then the the, the following rehab process. But then I did powerlifting for couple of years. Uh, Raw or with equipment? With equipment. And I hated it. I really, really hated it. It's a pain in the butt. All respect to those who do, but I think it is. It just looks like it's so... They need to have a very special relationship with pain. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I can't... Honestly, I I was doing a... uh, uh, a uh, regional championship and I can't remember a single lift from that competition because of the pain that's yeah. very every every squat I did as, as a powerlifter with the equipment on I can't remember the lift because of the pain and for those for those who don't understand or don't know too much about powerlifting um, for example the, the in, in the squat, uh, it, you know, it's one thing to wear those tight-fitting, uh, almost canvas type of suits that they have, but it's the knee wraps. They put those things on so tight. Uh, it was maybe a couple years ago, one of my training partners, a sh- shout out to Lars uh, Anderson from uh, from the Drum and uh, Powerlifting Club. Just for the heck of it, he put knee wraps on me. And after the third or maybe fourth time around on those knee wraps, I was... It, it was it was ridiculously painful, and to imagine having to do that for all three squats in a competition, no, thank you. No, 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 thank you. Let me let me no, let me no. let me fast forward to to your most recent endeavor. Um, where where was this competition in Norway? And tell me about it. What. Uh, what did it feel like? This was the sixth time you won the championship. And yeah. I don't think you're ashamed if I tell people how old you are. You did this at the age of 52. Yeah, I did. I think that's beautiful. T- tell me about that competition. Um, how, how was your preparation? Did you get all of your training? And I know things got a little crazy with the coronavirus and it affected training for a lot of people. Uh, I actually got to train the entire time because we own a gym. Yes. So I actually snuck down at the gym, made sure that nobody saw me in, in case of any of my 
the people I'm tra- uh, trained with, they, they know it now, so I can say it now. <laughs> but, uh, but made sure that nobody saw me because we didn't feel like making people sad because they couldn't train. Right, right. Uh, but because of my asthma, uh, because of my very severe asthma, I'm kind of in a risk group for getting sick. Yes. So yeah. I was, I was uh, isolating back home. And if I, if I hadn't done the training, I think I would turn totally insane with just being home with Egil at work a lot because he was the only one who was working at PF. Yeah. And the kids at home all the time. Yeah. I would have gone insane. Well, I can tell you, you know, you and I think a lot alike. Um, I, I'm trying to remember it was maybe March, April, May, June, May. It was in May that I finally made the decision that, you know, I, I have to train. I can't not train powerlifting because I was training, you know, all the gyms were closed. So I was in my garage doing like body weight exercises and using bands and things like that. But I'm like, this isn't good enough. I have to power lift. So I made the decision. I invested a pretty big <laughs> chunk of money. And now I have my own home gym. I have everything I need to power lift. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and I think a lot alike. So you were at a position of, you were, you, were, you were at an advantage that you were able to use the gym that you guys own and continue your training. Yeah, totally. Now, do you normally train uh, alone or with others? It depends. Uh, I have periods where I prefer to train alone, um, where my brain needs to be yeah. alone. Focus, yeah. Yeah. Um, that is very often if I'm... F- close for competition or things like that. Uh, and I have, I most of the time I train together with the awesome people in our, our gym. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we have, the, I think we have the best gym in Norway. I've been through a lot of them and there are a lot of good, good gyms in Norway. But the atmosphere at B30 is, it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure um, that has a lot to do with you and Egg. You guys are such well-known, well-liked and loved people that when you have that kind of influence from the top down, well, you know, there you go. You're going to have a good yeah. environment at that gym. Yeah, but we've been so lucky that the people we got to to be members at the gym, they are good people. Do you they have are supportive yeah. and and, and we have so many different kind of sports training in the same gym. Yeah. Uh, so you, you always get inspiration from from people who are there, who are training. Yeah. So the, the, you, you're doing your training, you're, you're preparing for this competition. Where, where was the championship this year? It was at, uh, in uh, Vinsta, in uh, is it four hours north of Oslo, uh, at a hotel called Fefur Heifjels Hotel. Oh yeah, okay, that's where you had uh, that great seminar with the fantastic Ed Cohen. Oh yes, well, yeah. have the biggest of them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nice, nice <laughs> job getting that uh, that seminar and that whole competition done. By the way. As a very successful 
thing for you guys it to understand. Was. Yeah. And uh, I think Ed enjoyed it every second of it as well. Oh, we sure. Enjoyed having him there. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you, so you, uh, so you're up there at Fairford. It's uh, championship time now. I don't know too much about strongman competition, but isn't it such that you don't know ahead of time exactly what exercises? We get to know them about between 12 and 8 weeks before competition. Okay, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about so, that? Is that enough time to get ready? Yeah, it is. Yeah. If you train smart uh, and if you if you during a year is training all the events not, not at the same time, of course, because... I'm sure it goes in cycles. You'll have periods of focus, right, yeah. on, on different exercises. Yeah. But that's the fascinating uh, thing about yeah, strongman competition. You have to be well-rounded because you don't know what to yeah. expect when competition time comes. Yeah, it, it is kind of like CrossFit, or CrossFit is kind of like uh, strongman. Uh, you, you need to be able to do, do it all. Uh, so I knew the events in front. Um, we did all, I think, actually twelve weeks before. Yeah. Now, so so what were the events then at this uh, championship? Uh, we started with uh, Viking press. Ah, the Viking press. Yeah, that yeah. is kind of a bush press event. Yeah. Uh, that was the first day, and day two we had a deadlift sandbag medley where we did four repetitions of deadlift, went over to sandbags, two sandbags that were going to be run, uh, carried 10 meters, loaded up to a table, uh-huh. and then back, pick up the next bag. I love that kind of events. Yeah. Uh, and then we had the sandbag throws. Is that where you have to throw it up over? Yeah. Like it's as high so as you fun. can over a bar or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun. Uh, and then on Saturday we had the power stairs, which is lifting implements up very, very steep stairs. Okay. Yeah. I think I saw a picture of you doing that on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And they are really, each, uh, each step was close to 50 centimeter. Wow. Tall. Really? So, so even for me who is tall, how, t- how tall one, are you? 189. That Are you that a, tall? Wow. Yeah. Um, so so even for me, it was tall steps. How, how tall is Egil? Uh, Egil is 187. Okay, he's okay. Tiny, he's so you, a tiny one. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. That poor um, guy. I, t- I want to give him a hug, that poor guy. <laughs> So, wow, now those those are some big steps. And yeah, even for a tall woman like yourself, that is a heck of a step, especially yeah. when you're carrying that heavy load. Yeah. Wow. But it's one, it's one of my favorite events, so it's just fun. I won the event at the World's Strongest Woman in uh, in November last year. And, where, and I won it this time as well. And where, where was the World's Strongest Woman in November? Where was it was that? in Daytona Beach, Daytona Florida. Daytona Beach, yeah. Wow, yeah. that must have been a heck of an experience. That was amazing. It was like a trip back to mid eighties, <laughs> and it, it, it was just amazing to to have warm weather, be able to swim in November, in, yeah. in in November. Yeah. 
it did good. <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> yeah. How, um, how did you then, do? How did you do in that competition? What? How high did you place? Uh, I placed sixth last year. Wow. Six in the um, world. Yeah, and I was the only one over fifty who placed that high. So basically, uh, I'm the strongest woman in the world over fifty. I, I just think that is so impressive, and I enjoy seeing examples of people. And I, I enjoy being an example of 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 one who is over fifty, or heck, even over forty, <laughs> and we're showing people that we can be the strongest, we can be champions, we can beat people who are half our age. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Now, do you think that that takes a special mindset? Do you think that that takes a special amount of drive to do that? Or, or are, are we special or are we just focused? What, what is it? What makes us able to do this? I'm unsure. Uh, I know that I am very focused um i have a goal i work towards that goal uh and i think you need to to be you, uh, yeah you need a special mindset because you 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 can't think that oh i'm old <laughs> yes the minute you uh, start thinking that way, your athletic career is over. Yeah, I, think. I see. A I see a lot of uh, people I went to school with back in back a long time ago. I see a lot of them are talking about they are old. Oh, I'm in pain here and there, and oh, I can't do this. I'm too old. I don't have that mindset. I never had it. No. Um. I see that too. Um, old classmates who, who who are constantly commenting about being old and this, that, and the other. And then they'll tell me, they'll try to project that onto me and they'll tell me, be careful, John, you're getting older. And yeah. it's like, okay, I'm getting older, but what is this be careful thing? I don't understand yeah. that. Um, no, uh, actually, that provokes me a lot <laughs> when I get that. I just take it uh, as motivation. It just pushes me on. It pushes me further. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think it's quite fun because when I do stuff like winning this weekend, so many of the same people who tells me to be careful are cheering me on. Yeah. It's like, oh, Kiki, this is so cool. Well, they see it. They, they see that you're doing something that they themselves are fully capable of doing. And I think they recognize that they have put those limitations on themselves. Nobody else is limiting them. They're limiting themselves. And when they see yeah. you get it done, that's, that's uh, I don't know, some people will try and resist the motivation, but people have to be motivated when they see someone like you doing what you're doing at the age that you are. It's quite motivating, very inspiring. I, I actually have gotten a lot of messages uh, on the Messenger lately from people who are like, thank you, Kiki, for inspiring. Um, that makes me very, very happy. That's good, yeah. Especially when it comes from other women who are like, thanks to you, um, I've started to train. And that makes me very happy. Well, if we go back even 10 years ago, uh, but especially if we go back even further, it seemed like women were afraid to excel in strength sports. And I, yeah. never, I never understood that. 
but I think it's a beautiful thing to see that that is that way of thinking is going away. Some of my favorite power lifters are women. Yeah, for I agree. For for example, it's 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 just good to see that that mind that way of yeah. thinking is changing. There's no reason yeah. for women to be afraid of strength sports. I think that way of thinking is bigger up here in Scandinavia than, for instance, in in America. I think it is too. Uh, because we have we have America and Scandinavia have two different mindsets when it comes to showing off. If you yeah get what I mean, I do. Uh, in America, it's okay to it's good to be good. You are cheered on if you are good yes. if you do something. Yeah. Uh, here it is like. You you can't you can't brag is the wrong, wrong word, but you you can't be too visible. Well, yeah, there's this thing that they have against people, you know, sticking out in the crowd. You yeah. you know, if if you have a talent, well, be quiet about that talent. Yeah. You know, um, I, I just I, and I just don't believe in that. I believe it's quite limiting. I believe yeah. that it does something when you teach children that at a young age. I believe it puts an element of doubt in them. Yeah. If they recognize that they're good at something, they're going to doubt it. They're almost not going yeah. to believe that they have this ability. Eddie and I have a daughter. Uh, she's fourteen, and she is extremely intelligent and extremely talented in. For instance, art. She she is one heck of a drawer. She's she's really amazing. And we have every ever since she started to draw, we have been come on, continue. This is good. And she really believes in herself. She believes so much in herself that she is has drawn the logos of one of the biggest strength lifting equipment companies in the world oh really service yeah server strength uh-huh. that logo is that logo is hers wow uh, and, and she she just got an offer from that's i can't say the name but she will be more visible and she's only 14 and that, yeah and that is because we told her to believe in herself be proud of what she's doing well, she's got two great uh, examples for parents. You know, both you and Egil are very driven people. You know, you, you guys have your little uh, thing that you do and you do it well and you discuss it with others and you stand forward as a positive example for what you're doing. So it, it, to me, it, to me it's, it's, um, it's quite normal to see that you're passing that down, that way of thinking down to your children. Yeah, luckily we do. Yeah, oh, it's not. I, I even it's, see it's not it luck. With, it's not luck. It's good parenting. Yeah, but I even see it with uh, with uh, the foster chil- children we have. Yeah, you have two two foster children, correct? No, we have three. Three. I'm sorry, three. Yeah, uh, the oldest one moved out uh, a year and a half ago, but she's still okay. our okay our yeah. little girl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at home now we have two foster children living. Uh, Eric is 17 and Alva is 12 
Um, especially Eric, who has been living with us since 2012. Yeah. You can see that he has adopted our way of acting, thinking. Yeah. Uh, he's well, a cool guy. Well, there's that good parental influence that I was talking about. And that's not yeah. luck. That is something that you guys do and you do well. And you're passing it down to your children, obviously. Yeah. Hey, Eric, Eric is a big guy. <laughs> he, he, he looks like Eric he's... He's not very tall. He is, he's, I think he's 167, 68. But he's but thick and wide, and, and he, he looks like um, a strength athlete. He has a strength talent. He is just too lazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He really has a strength talent. How old is he? He's 17. 17, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is like he is the kind of guy who can walk into the gym and just lift stuff and he do it good. He's just got that natural strength. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He actually he showed up in he signed up for a competition, a strongman competition in the gym without telling me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he discussed discussed it with Egil and they agreed that okay, he was going to train for it. He was not going to tell me. So when I came down to, I think I was going to to ref that competition. He was on the list of athletes, and that's the first you knew about it. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, Eric, <laughs> how did he do?" He placed second to last, but he competed. Yeah, there you go. Step one. Yeah. Step one. Yeah. Start competing. Yeah, I, I tell I tell anyone who asks me, anybody that I coach in powerlifting. And if they're very, and a lot of people are very insecure, they're uncertain, they're afraid to start uh, because they always say, well, I don't think I'm good enough to compete. Okay. And I say, everyone is good enough to compete. You have to start somewhere. And then yeah. the fun thing, this is how I look at powerlifting. The fun thing is that once you've started, now you can compete against yourself. Now your goal is to just get stronger than you were at the previous competition. That's the beauty of strength sports. You can internalize that competition to where, of course, of course, it's nice to win and 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 uh, and uh, and come in first place. But it's 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 not a it's not a failed endeavor if you don't get first place. If you lift more, if you're stronger than you were at the previous competition, then you've mm-hmm. won. I totally agree, and um, I think that's uh, in strong woman. We have we struggle a bit with getting women to compete because they're never strong enough. That is, I, I can see a talent train in the gym do all the events that we are going to compete in, and she tells us I'm not strong enough to compete. And I try to explain to her, but you will never be strong enough. I'm competing on world level, and I'm not strong enough. Well, what, what, but what do they? What do they mean? What do you mean when you say that? Um, I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, you, you don't you don't accept a new or a potential competitor saying they're not strong enough. That's not to be uh, accepted uh, because, it, like the way I look at it, everyone is strong enough. But what do you mean when you say that you, even though you're competing on the world platform? that you're still not strong enough. What do you mean? 
because I still have goals to to, to reach. Uh, I still have a goal in in deadlift. Uh, I see. Still, so I you're can still be stronger. I can still be I faster. See. So you're saying you're not strong enough for your own goal? No, I will be one hell of an old lady to live with because I will never be satisfied with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the mark of a true competitor. That whole thing about never being satisfied. Yeah. Um, my goal is every time I lift, I want to lift more than I did the last time. Yeah. And when that doesn't happen, then I fail. And that has nothing to do with uh, placing in the competition. I just want to be stronger than I was the previous the previous yeah. training cycle or the previous competition. Yeah. I have I have it like that in training very much. Uh, and yeah. Clint, my my coach, he needed to tell me that you don't always have to lift more heavier in training, but if you increase with a rep. Yes. You have done better than last training. Yeah. Yeah. Um it has taken me quite a while to accept that mindset. Well, I guess I can understand that, but you know, and I'm not sure how you how you train, but if you I don't know. I have like a cyclical, a cyclist of, of training and it's, it's in anywhere from eight to 10 to 12 to 14 week blocks. So I look yeah. at one training block at a time. And at the beginning of that training block, it's relatively lightweight with relatively high reps. And then at some point it crosses over to being heavyweight and lower reps in that training yeah. block. So Same when, as I do. okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, 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 I solve that dilemma. I, I, I resolve that desire to always be better by looking at the numbers, whether it's a week of high lifting, uh, of heavy lifting, or a week of light lifting. I just look at it and compare it to the previous training block. Yeah. And there you go. There uh, you can I'm see the progression. Yeah. I'm starting a new deadlift uh, cycle now, today, later today. I'm really like oh i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> that is the funniest thing i do i really love it uh and i'm starting on i think 70 75 percent yeah yeah and it, clint sent me uh, sent me a video today where he explained what we're going to do for the next 8 10 12 weeks and it is like you described there I love, yeah, I love setting up a new training block and I look at where I'm going to start and it might seem boring. It might seem like it's too light or maybe I'm dreading doing, you know, 10 reps or something like that. Uh, Powerlifters do not like a lot of reps. Yeah, it's cardio. But when I look out towards the end of that, I'm like, oh my gosh, at the end of this training block, I'm going to be hitting a triple for that much weight. I've never done that before. So then I spend the whole 12 weeks with a very clear marching plan. I, I see that the work that I'm doing is going to lead to a new victory at the end of that. See, I don't have to have a competition to get that sense of fulfillment. I get that sense of fulfillment at the end of a training block. Every yeah. training block should be a new personal record. Yeah, it should. <laughs> I'm, looking forward to, I'm looking forward to go back to the gym today. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I tell you, I, uh, I don't own my own gym anymore, but I tell you, uh, having my own home gym is saving my life. I think I would, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the risk group as well for COVID because I have asthma and I don't think I would feel comfortable going to a commercial gym and being potentially exposed to the coronavirus. I think that would be messing with my head a little bit. So I'm very glad that I have a home gym now that I can do everything here. And you think you are able to train good enough in in the garage? You you're able to push yourself enough? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have um for the most part I train alone. Now, <clears throat> uh for the last few years pretty much ever since I've been powerlifting um whenever Hege Nielsen comes to Norway uh and she can be mm -hmm. here for like six months out of the year for those six months we we train together she's not my coach so to speak but she's there to motivate me and that does something with my training so that I miss when she's not here but but I I pretty much my entire powerlifting career I have trained alone I've, and mm. I, I, I'll call people over to help spot me, uh, you know, when I get up into some heavier lifts. But for the most part, I train alone. That's what I'm used yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm spoiled with having Angel around most of the time. Uh, and I have a couple of other guys at the gym who they, they don't need to stand next to me when I lift. but. No. I can hear them on the other yes. side of the gym, yeah. sharing on me, like, come on, Kiki. There's something with that, uh, something about yeah. that that really, really motivates when you're when you're yeah. training. They don't have to be your training partner, so to speak, but just that they're there in yeah. the background shouting and, and pushing you on. Yeah. yeah. Can we I? Have, actually, we had one of them, a few of them in uh, in the crew last weekend for Norway's Strongest. Okay. And I, I remember I heard their voices. And it was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, it it, yeah. it it makes a big difference. Oh, it's, it it's, it's good to have support like that. Yeah. yeah. Let me let me switch gears a little bit. I would like to talk to you a little bit about your family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned you have foster children in your home. You have a very you have a very beautiful family, uh, but it's a very unusual family because it is. Um, a combination of racial and ethnic identities. Uh, yeah. where, where are your foster children from? It is my own little UN. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my two oldest foster children, Eric and Maria, they are from Sri Lanka. Yeah. And Arva is Somalian. Is, I'm sorry? Somalia. 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 Yeah. Somalia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so... And Eric and Maria are Catholics, and Maria is Muslim. No, Alva uh, is Muslim. Mm. So we do have a UN. <laughs> <laughs> you do. So how how do you make that work? You know, and and then you and Egil are based in the Viking tradition. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a very dynamic mix in your home. How do you it make is. it work, or does it just work because there's love in the base of everything? I think it works because there is love in the base of everything. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, like the religion, it, it's not a thing in our house. Um, it's just what 
the kids area, the, the foster kids, that's what they brought to the table. Okay. Uh, but none of them are active. No, okay. No. But I think when you get a family like ours, we have six kids all in all. Uh, where Egil has one from an earlier relationship, I have a son from a very earlier relationship, uh-huh. and we have Vinya together, and then the three foster kids. You need a lot of love to make that work. Yeah. And it's not hard at all. Uh, okay, it's hard to be foster parents because you you get a lot of extra stuff. Uh, the kids have their luggage from earlier life. Yes, just just get, having an idea of the countries that they come from, there is potentially a lot of trauma in their background. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, all foster kids, at least, let's, let's say all, have some kind of trauma in with them. So you do have stuff to work with all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you need to get those kids. You can have a kid coming to your house that is terrified of being close to other people because what they know from earlier on is beating, yes. for instance. Yeah. And then you need to teach that kid that you can you can actually be angry without hitting. Yeah. And that is a lot of work. Well, that's a heck of a job to take on. And I think it says a lot about um, any foster parent who takes that job and is and, and is taking it for the right reasons, you know, to help a child. That says a lot about them because it is a huge job, a it huge is. burden that you willfully take on with the intention well, of helping that child. It is so... It's such a grateful job at the same time. Sure. Because you you see the changes all the time. Uh, in the beginning, like my experience is the first year or so, it seems like you're just standing on the same spot. Yeah. Nothing is happening. Uh, maybe things get worse. Uh, you have a lot of sleepless nights because yeah. you're wondering what will happen with that kid. And then slowly, small changes are appearing. And actually, now I need to think in Norwegian and try to translate to English. <laughs> oh, you're doing, <laughs> you're, you're doing well. You're doing well. <laughs> uh, but you, you have those tiny, tiny victories along the road. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there with a 17-year-old boy who has turned out to be the most awesome person on earth well it's a beautiful thing Uh, i'm actually i'm getting emotional (laughs) Um, we like emotion on the coming home podcast with john allen we like emotion actually when i see eric because i've been really concerned about eric earlier like really really and when i see him now it's like wow what a job we have done together as a group, as a family. 
Yeah. Because that wouldn't happen if Eric wasn't willing to learn from us, learn from both Egil and me and the other kids. Well, yeah, you know, and I would imagine that in the start of a relationship with a foster child, there is the issue of trust. Yeah. Uh, you know, depending on their background, depending on what they experienced before they came to you, trust trust might be a very difficult thing to 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 achieve. Yeah. So I would it imagine is. a lot of time goes towards just building trust. Yeah. Um, all our three foster children kids came to us in that period of life where they are supposed to start to become their own individuals. They were Eric and Maria were uh, 11 and 12. Okay. And Ava was 12 when she moved in. And that is when they start to hit puberty. They're supposed to to be disgusting little creatures. <laughs> At the same time as they are supposed to break free from parents, they're supposed to to bond with us. That is a very, when you say it that way, I can see that as being a very difficult time to start a yep. family relationship at that age. That's got to be rough. Yes. It is. Which makes, uh, which makes the, the success when you see your 17-year-old son now and you see what a good young man he is, that should give you even, even more of a sense of accomplishment yeah. because, because of the um, timing of the, of the beginning of the relationship. Um, Maria came home a few months ago with a tattoo on her forearm uh, with uh, Roman numbers. And I was like, okay, what's that? What's the tattoo you got? That's the date I moved in with you. Ah. I cried. I bet you did. <laughs> Actually, I saw she was up at Fairfield this weekend as well. And I saw the tattoo again. It was like, <laughs> that's yeah. the best compliment I ever got. Yeah. Well, I can see the love in yeah. your family. Um, I, uh, I've heard about you for, for, for quite some time. We have some, some common friends between us. And I've heard a lot about you and a lot about Egil, about how kind and how warm-hearted uh, you guys are. And I think that that manifests itself. We, we can see the kindness and the good-heartedness of you two when we see your children. That's yeah, a, that, is so. a, that is a testament of the yeah. success of you two as parents. Absolutely. I think our kids are absolutely awesome, all six of them. Do, do, six kids do, uh, does that get on your nerves <laughs> we only we have two here in our house and sometimes i just want to uh, you know they're 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 12 and 14 but sometimes i want to just give them my credit card and tell them to go get a hotel and leave me alone for a while <laughs> luckily all six are not living at home yeah we have a tiny house and if i had six kids in that house yeah, yeah. i think i would moved out <laughs> Can, can I ask you, what, what brought you guys to that area of Norway where you live? Because you're from south, uh, and Egil is from, from Kristiansund, is he not? Yeah, just yeah. Uh, a bit south of Kristiansund. Yeah. So what is it that brought you guys to to this area of Norway? That was uh, Proteinfabriken. Okay, the, biz, the business. Yeah. Yeah, the business. Yeah. Uh, Egil had a extra job at Proteinfabriken. 
for a while while he was doing his job in the, in the prison. Uh, and he got he, he was the local salesman up in uh, in Møre and Romsdal. Yeah. Uh, and he got an offer. He got a call from Bjorn Kenneth, who is the director of the factory here. Mm. He got a call. I think it was Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. And he told him that we have a job for you, a full time job. I need an answer by Thursday. <laughs> and that was like, okay. This is terrifying because we have both of us had jobs up there. We had a house. Yeah. Vilja was in, in uh, kindergarten and everything. And I think we I, I think we used twelve hours to decide that okay, we will give it a try. We will rent out the house and started to rent the house down here. Uh, so he got that offer early September. We moved mid October in two thousand and nine. Yeah. Um, two years has been eleven. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a really quick turnaround. I mean, you didn't you did not have a lot of time to make that decision, and that is a no. big life changing decision. Uh, we were in the process of thinking of moving uh, because of Lilia, because we already back then, in, when she was three, we could see that she was extremely intelligent. And that little place that Egil comes from, which has, I think, 400 people living there, uh, they couldn't give her what she needed. I see. <clears throat> I see. So, so, But we were talking about Trondheim, because both of us like Trondheim very much. Okay. And we never talked about Stokke at all. Yeah, because there's a big because, there's a big difference between uh, Trondheim and Stokke. Yeah, Stokke is a place you just drive by. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's actually sorry, all people in Stokke. It's the most boring place on earth. <laughs> but but you're happy there. You're happy there. You have your you have yes. your gym. You 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 have your family. You you guys are happy there. You seem yes, to be. Yes, we are. Yeah, and um, we. We bought the house in 2011, which are well known as Strongman Road. Oh. Actually, we have the road sign and everything that really? says Strongman Road. Yeah, well, that's cool. <laughs> uh, and we we really enjoy our little spot of the world. Yeah, it's a very peaceful. It's a very warm place. It's a good place to live. It seems to be. Um... I would actually prefer. I've 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 been through Stokke before, and I would actually prefer Stokke to uh, Trondheim. But I'm not a I'm not a city guy. I don't like. <laughs> I live I live in Drummond, but I do not like living in the city. I would much rather be in a place like Stokke. Yeah, yeah we live in the countryside. We yeah. have four neighbors. Yeah, and eight sheep on the other <laughs> side of the field. <laughs> and eight sheep. <laughs> oh, what what are your mm. plans going forward, Kiki? You're you're you are far from finished competing with strong women. Uh, I'm not finished yeah. at all. What's your, what's your next uh, what's your next step? My next step, my next main goal is um, is world strongest woman in November 2021 because it's cancelled due yes. to COVID. It's cancelled this year. Uh, I got the invite last night. 
Yeah. I knew I, I knew I was getting it uh, because I was qualified from last year. Yeah. Uh, but still, it made me very happy to see it come in sure. in my email sure. last night. Uh, so my goal is to place top three. Uh, I know I will have one hell of a fight to get up there. What do you have to do? What do you have to change in your training in order to better yourself so that you can place where you want to? I don't think I need to change much. I just need to continue the good work I'm doing together with Clint. Shout out to Clint. Um, I had a few conversations, uh, chats back and forth with him. I was trying to get him on my podcast, but we just could not match up our time. I should I should go back to him and give it another try. You should. I should do you that. You should, because he's an extremely interesting guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he is, I don't know anyone who knows as much about training. Maybe, maybe Ed or not maybe, but <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just about to start wagging my finger at you. What do you mean? Maybe. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I hear I'm, you. I'm Clint, Clint is well-respected. Yeah, I'm, I'm very allowed to bully Ed a bit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he, he can take it. He can take yeah, it. I know he can. I know. Um, but I think Clint and I just need to, to continue to do the good work we are doing. I think I'm, are you still getting stronger? Yeah. Still getting stronger at 52. And yeah, I am. Proof to um, those who doubt. Here it is. I'm still getting stronger. I'm still building muscles. And actually, I love to see that. I have seen, uh, just to give you a little, little feedback here, I have seen a change in your physique over the last three or four years. Um, yep. So, yes, once again, you are walking living proof that there's no such thing as not being a, well, for some people, but it is possible to gain strength and to do something with your body composition past yeah. the age of whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen it. I've um, seen the changes in you over the last few years. Yeah. I, I just saw some pictures from last year's uh, uh, Europe strongest in August last year. And I changed a lot in a year. Yeah. So it, it can be done. Yeah. So I'll just continue to work with Clint, do what Clint says, because he knows what he's doing. Well, that's important. If you have a trainer, you have to trust that trainer. I think a lot of people waste a lot of time and a lot of progression and improvement because they spend so much of that time questioning their trainer. If you have to question your trainer that much, maybe you should just have a different trainer. That I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I see it in the gym. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, people who pay a trainer, a coach to do the programming and they don't follow it and they add stuff, they take away stuff. Yeah. And people, your coach is coaching you. He's programming you the way he does for a reason. Yeah. And like Clint, Clint knows what I need because I'm good at giving him feedback. Yeah. Well, that communication line is, is very important, yeah. but, but, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people who have coaches, yes, they do the wrong thing. They question their coaches or they tr they change their coaches' programming. But on the other side of that, we do see coaches 
who, you know, they just have a one program for everyone. They yeah. don't have that communication. They don't have that yeah. respect, that mutual respect with their client. And yeah. that's not a good thing either. No, it isn't. So, yeah. uh, I totally agree. You, you actually see quite a lot of that in strongman. Ah, okay. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, so I've been lucky. Uh, I've chosen the, the few people I've had as, as my coaches wisely. After I ditched Egil as a coach, <laughs> was Egil? <laughs> now how did, Egil how did... Was co- he was coaching me all until till three, four, four years ago, I think. And and why did you drop him as your coach? Uh, because we're married. <laughs> so you found it you found it difficult to combine that your marriage life with your training life. It was too easy to me for me to question him. And um, that is the problem. Him. That is the problem that yeah. I have with my little Snoopy. Uh, she'll come to me uh, up through the years. She'll come to me and ask me for a program, ask me to train her, and I'll do it. And it lasts a couple, three weeks, and then she's yelling at me and questioning yeah. everything and changing, and then we stop. Yeah. So we agreed that the best thing for me was to find someone else. Yeah. To coach yeah. me. I totally understand uh, that. Egil is with me on almost every single training I'm doing. He is there. Uh, so so he is the one who is uh, live coaching me, but he is doing it from the program I have. From Clint, yeah. 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 He and Clint has a very good communication yeah. going on about yeah. what to do with me. No, Egil, Egil is actually the one who um, put me in touch with Clint and suggested that I get him on my podcast. Yeah. I was in, I this is a few months ago. I need to go back and do that. I need to get Clint on. Yeah, you do. He I, he is awesome. I check out his videos on YouTube. It's interesting stuff and 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 yeah. motivating and yeah. Yeah, he he just posted a video for me last night. He was supposed to talk to me for three minutes. Ended up eighteen minutes describing what what I'm supposed to do with my deadlift. I see. And of course, telling me how awesome I am. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> your coach should be your best cheerleader. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. Kiki, I, uh, I want to congratulate you again on all of your success. Congratulations on not just this last victory, but on the five victories before that. Congratulations on your entire journey from your surgery and all the way up through the years, all the training and up to where you are now. It's, it's quite impressive. Uh, you're blowing that myth about age. You're blowing that out of the water. You're, uh, you know, an, a, a fellow 50 year old uh, still getting stronger. And it's, it's, I, I love it. It's motivating. Thank you, John Allen. Thank you for being on this episode. And I'm sure this is going to be motivating for, for my listeners to hear. Thanks a lot, Kiki. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you and goodbye.